Welcome into the weekly Fordham Focus segment here on One on One. I'm Mac Rosenberg, and today we are in Richmond, Virginia, as the basketball team gets set to face VCU tonight at 7 right here on 90.7 FM and WFUVsports.org. And I'm joined by the head coach of the Fordham men's basketball team, and that's Tom Pacora. Coach, thanks for joining me today. Always a pleasure. And, uh... Coach, uh, this team split a homestand with two very close games that both really resembled each other. Came down to free throw shooting at the end. Let's touch first on the St. Joe's game. The first thing I want to ask you is about the final offensive possession. About nine seconds left. You guys are down by two. Mm -hmm. And you decide to take that timeout and draw up a play. Brandon Frazier inbounds to Travion Leonard in the corner, who then gives back to Frazier. And it looked like there was some contact on him there. Me and Alex Smith on the broadcast both thought there was some contact. His foot was on the line, and he's called for the turnover. What did you see? Yeah, that's kind of what we saw. I mean, uh, you know, we, I always – I prefer to not call the timeout. Um, I didn't think Brandon had an offensive advantage. He was trying to turn the corner, and they were stretching him out quite a bit on the right side of the court. So we called the timeout, and, and what really took place was uh, Travion Leonard, who uh, is a freshman, didn't make a hard enough cut and in turn got the ball – wider than we had wanted him to and then when we run that play we bring the guard around for a handoff and he attacks the double team if it comes and we had gotten a good whistle driving the basketball so worst case scenario Brandon's going back to the foul line which I feel very confident in I think I was as shocked as everyone else in the gym when he missed the front end of the one-on-one with 26 seconds um, is there contact yeah uh, should we get that call at home probably will we in the future yes but I think it's all part of building a program and, and gaining the respect of officials and, uh, and things of that nature. I think that uh, there was a, there was a, a substantial bump, but uh, you got to play through the contact on this level. You can't depend on getting a whistle. And I think the play being stretched out uh, by Halil Konasevich, who was defending Trey and forced him to go even further towards the sideline, caused the problem. If he was being overplayed, our counter was a hard back cut. Uh, out of it, but uh, we didn't execute the play, and in turn, we lost the basketball game. Now you talk about not usually wanting to take a timeout in that situation. What did you see on that first, the first half of that possession? About nine seconds left. I think Frazier was driving in, trying to do something down low, right. trying to draw contact as he was all second half long. But what did you see that made you want to call that timeout? Well, once again, I didn't think that there was a great angle. I thought he was being driven more towards the the corner uh, than he was get, taking it towards the rim. I didn't want a fadeaway shot at that time. I wanted us to try to drive the basketball and put the onus on them to defend us hard. And, uh, you know, that's a, a split-second call. So I, I made it in hindsight. Having known the, B, the baseline OB did not work, of course I wouldn't call it again. But, that, you know, that's uh, armchair quarterbacking. Now, sticking with Frazier, Coach, his performance, he's really been able, I think, to relish the absence of Chris Gaston and the fact that he's become the leader of this team when Gaston's out, unquestioned leader. What kind of steps has he made this year in terms of that growth? Well, I think, he, I think this growth would have taken place. It might have sped up a little bit with Chris being gone, but he and Chris were playing well together. Uh, he was growing as a player, and I think uh, our hopes were that we would be playing once Chris got healthy after his uh, injury in the non-conference schedule we would go into conference play with two all-conference-level players. And, uh, you know, that's where we would be if Chris was healthy right now, I think, and obviously that would be a, a huge advantage for Fordham. So uh, I'm thrilled with his development. I said to him after the game, as I said to the media, I would rather not have anyone at the foul line in a, in a crunch time situation. I think everyone was shocked that he missed the front end of it to the point where we had talked about if he does miss, go foul. And it was like a two-second delay where everyone was like, wow, he, he missed. And then we went and fouled right. and burnt a couple seconds there. But, uh, you know, he just 
works his tail off. He continues to come in the gym and work extra. He comes in and watches film constantly. He's really into becoming a better and better point guard, and that's important because he does have the ball in his hands so much for us. Certainly on his way to some all-conference uh, accolades this year. You look at these last two games, it really is a testament. When you're home, you can really hang with any team in this conference. Even though you couldn't win both games of the homestand, what positives do you take away? Well, just that. The fact that we were able to compete uh, against both teams, find a way to win against Rhodey, and, uh, you know, St. Joe at the end of the game, you know, they have, I think, three seniors uh, and two, two, uh, a junior and a sophomore on the floor. And we have a junior, two sophomores, and two freshmen on the floor. They knew how to win that basketball game. They made every free throw the last three minutes of the game. We missed three free throws. Um, Mandel Thomas missed one, Ryan Canty missed one, and then Brandon missed the front end of the one-on-one. You know, we could have gotten some separation had we made free throws, come up with a couple plays there. But uh, that, that's the team that was picked number one in this conference. Uh, if we're playing with our young guys and they're playing with their veterans and we're capable of playing with them to the last possession or so of the game, there is an upside to it. Now, the downside is UMass, Charlotte, and, uh, and our last game mm-hmm. against St. Joe have all been similar. We have not been able to get over the top in those games. And now another incredible bright spot has been Mandel Thomas, the freshman, 17 points each of the past two games. He has combined with Frazier to make an incredible one-two punch in the backcourt. Did you see him being this effective in his rookie year? Well, no, you never know with freshmen. You never know how things are going to play out. But uh, we knew what he was capable of. One of the things that impressed me the most about Mandel when I saw him play in high school was his ability to fill up a box score. Uh, you know, in prep school at times, he was playing like the four spot for them. And at the end of games, he'd have, you know, he'd have 25 points, 11 rebounds. So he's a basketball player. And uh, I think you can see that. The other, the other thing that's very impressive about him is he plays at a, a very smooth pace. You know, he, uh, he, he at times doesn't even look like he's exerting himself. But right. he's such a lo- wonderful athlete that you just he moves and glides around the floor at times but can still be very explosive. So... I think you see the backcourt of the future, obviously, and he's going to be a big part of this uh, for the remainder of this season and then next with Brandon. And, uh, and then moving forward, he'll be a special player for us. Your thoughts on that one-handed throwdown? Yeah, I mean, he does it in practice. He's a sick athlete. You know, I mean, he really is, and he's a shade over six foot, maybe he's six one. But, uh, you know, his dad was a heck of a player and a great defender and a tough, tough basketball player. And, and Mandel's a lot like Pop, so that's a good thing. Getting back to Chris Gaston, he didn't make the trip here to Richmond. He's going to be out for the fourth straight game, 10th game this season. Any updates on his status right now? Well, it's a day-to-day. I mean, he's working with Dr. Zambetti, and, and he's with Vinny in the training room and Zip, and uh, they're trying to do all of the possible rehab they can. I know he's going to be seen again, as he is every Monday. He'll be seen by Dr. Zambetti on Monday, and then they'll make a decision, and uh, they have him fitted for a new brace. And, uh, you know, sometimes this happens. What we believed, uh, the, the medical staff and what we were told – was not a serious knee injury, has become a nagging one. It still doesn't appear to be a very serious knee injury, but it is a nagging injury. And, uh, you know, maybe we get him back Wednesday night for St. Louis at home. And with Chris out, three guys down low have really done some big things. Ryan Canty, Travion Leonard, Ryan Rooms, making some absolutely big contributions. First about Canty, we knew his problem was staying out of foul trouble. He finally was able to, in the first half the other night, play 29 minutes and grab 14 rebounds. What can you say about his growth now these last couple games? Yeah, it continues to get better and better, and he needs to – I want him fouling people. I just want him to know when and where, you know, and be mature about it. He's got a big physical presence on the floor. He flies around, and 
once again, to go get 14 rebounds as a sophomore against a, a good St. Joe's team is a testament to what he's capable of. And he's got to continue to lock in and grow and just mature as a player. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, that's okay. The, uh, the other big guy's rooms, I mean, coming off an 11-rebound game prior to that against Rhodey, you know, he really competes. And I like his fiery nature. Uh, he throws his body around. You know, he, we, we've got a lot of work to do in the offseason with footwork and mm -hmm. his explosiveness, and he's aware of that, but he's a hardworking kid, as Travion is. I mean, all you need to know about Travion is he's lost 70 pounds to be a better basketball player, and that tells you about the discipline and the work ethic that he has. And he's got a little tendonitis in that knee, so he wasn't moving as good. I think the minutes that he's logging are, uh, are not helping that situation any. So by getting Chris back, and they'll probably be sp uh, splitting minutes at that four spot a good portion of the rest of the season. Uh, and quite honestly, as Chris comes back now, not having practiced in over two weeks, it's going to be a while for him to get back in shape. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Let's get to some email questions. This one comes from Joe, business school class of 1970. And Joe addresses an issue that we've talked about with Ryan Candy, and that's his foul shooting, just 26% from the stripe this year. Uh, it really did uh, hinder him in that game against St. Joe's. What do you think his issue is there, and how have you worked with him? Well, it's game time. You know, I mean, he shoots over 65% in practice. As a team, we shoot over 80% in practice. And it's a matter of being able to lock in in the heat of battle, Control your emotions, control, and I think in Ryan's case, he's so fiery, a competitor. He's almost got to take a couple deep breaths and get to the foul line and put it up there. But him and Ryan Rooms have both been working hard on that. And, you know, it's hard to play him at the end of games. I've told him that. We needed him the other night to rebound the basketball. But at the same time, it's going to be difficult to play him at the end. And you saw us shuffling him and Travion in and out for that reason the other night. So uh, he's going to continue to work hard at it like he does everything else. And uh, uh, I think free throw shooting is a lost art when you look at uh, college and pro basketball in general. Um, it's something that's not – the numbers are not as high as they, they've been in years past. It's something you have to continue to work hard at. And he's a talented athlete, and, I, and I'm sure he's going to get better at it. Now, Rich Tier, class of 93, asks about junior college players and transfers. He says uh, that, that we've done some good things for Fordham. Uh, that I should say the junior college players have done some good things for Fordham in the past. Wants to know why there haven't been any since Curve and Bristol. Is there a policy against bringing in JUCO and transfer players? Well, there's not a policy, but it's just very, very difficult. Curve and Bristol was a young guy that we had started recruiting prior to coming to Fordham at, at Hofstra. He came from Haiti. And he went to junior college in Florida at Broward Community College, played for a good friend of ours, Bob Starkman. And what we did there was make sure that every course he took was a legitimate, no recreation courses, no phys ed courses, no health courses that wouldn't be transferable. Uh, and he was a very bright young man, obviously, and, and he was able to uh, you know, get a degree in business from there and then move on and get a degree in finance from Fordham. Uh, to bring junior college players or even four-year college transfers into Fordham is a challenge because uh, you have to get a certain number of transferable credits. Obviously, we're an elite university, and it's not easy to do that. It's really like finding a needle in a haystack unless you get involved with a young person early, place them in a, in a legitimate junior college where you know they're going to be taking coursework. I mean, I've seen junior college transcripts you know, that are just incredible, the courses, the group games and meat packing and, and courses that can be given, you know, which if you're going to be in the meat industry in Texas, it's a, it's a legitimate <laughs> course, but not if you're going to come to Fordham and try to get a legitimate degree uh, here in the Northeast. So uh, it's a very, very difficult thing, and it's one of the challenges of the job at Fordham, that you can't get a quick fix. 
uh, and you can't go out and do that. We, we are looking at some junior college players, and, and we're looking into transcripts. The first thing we always ask for are what are their transcripts, how many credits do they have, what kind of courses are they taking. But the majority of the time, that's a very, very difficult road for us to go down. And the same with four-year college transfers. I mean, unless a young man is, you know, a business or a liberal arts major at the school he's attending, you know, uh, there's a lot of guys out there that are recreation majors, and there's a lot of, you know, uh, kids that are taking majors that we don't have at Fordham. And in turn, getting them to come in as a transfer can be a challenge as well. Now, you talked about Travion Leonard a couple minutes ago. I want to talk about the way he's been able to shoot the outside jumpers. He has really shown a lot of comfort outside the paint this year. Is that something he's always had? Yeah, that's one of the things that impressed us. I mean, even when he was big, 340 pounds, he had the skill set of a, of a, a four-man, a skilled mm-hmm. forward. And that's what we liked about him. He can play both inside and out. Now, I kid with him, and I say, don't become a soft you know, jump shooter on me. I still need you posting up and <laughs> – being a force around the basket. But I think if you watch him and you see some of the plays he's made, you know, with good footwork, with explosiveness, uh, his ability, his touch from the perimeter, his ability to feed the post and pass the basketball, you can see why we're so high on the future with him. As he develops and has another great offseason, getting his body in even better shape and works on that skill set and builds off it, we really think he can be a special player. Now, looking ahead to VCU tonight, how excited are these guys to face them for the first time ever? Uh, I think they're excited. I've I've been here before. I may not be quite as excited because I know what to expect. (laughs) You know, at the Siegel Center is going to be nine, eight or nine thousand crazy fans, Um, and they're going to just they're going to try to jump on your bones early. You know, they play forty minutes of pressure. We talked to the team about it being forty minutes of opportunities for us to score easily. If we handle the pressure that they throw at us in the backcourt, there'll be great opportunities for us in the front court. So we went over a bunch of those things. But with a, you know, I've come in here with veteran teams and competed to the last possession and not won. To come in with a young team, I know it's going to be a great challenge. You know, there's the old uh, during his heyday, Mike Tyson used to say, "Everyone has a plan till they get hit." Well, how are we going to respond? You know, to the waves of defense that they throw at us. Um, I'm hoping well. I think we had a couple, uh, two days to prepare, and we actually did some things on Tuesday uh, that was similar to what they were doing because it was similar to what St. Joe's does on occasion. So, you know, if we handle their pressure, they're a lot like a UConn team. If they don't turn you over and they don't beat you up on the offensive glass, you can beat them. But if you turn the basketball over and they're turning opponents over 20 times a game, uh, those turnovers become baskets and they become loss in confidence for you and it has a ripple effect on the rest of your game. And that certainly was a big issue against UConn, the points off turnovers. And this team has struggled to win road games. Is it a situation where you have a bunch of young guys who are inexperienced and it gets to their heads when they're on the road? Well, that and, and uh, you know, once again, we're just trying to develop this young talent and, uh, and go on the road and find a, if we go play a young team on the road, we'll have a pretty good chance of winning. I think when you go play veteran teams on the road, it becomes more difficult. I think the venues you're playing in obviously have a huge impact on it. This is one of the toughest places to play in the country, uh, as is Dayton, as, you know, in our league, as is Xavier. Everywhere. You know, yeah, just about, <laughs> you know, just about. I mean, you're not going to go into many empty gyms in our, in our conference. Um, you know, with that said, you know, we got to get – we got to pack our place on weeknights too. You know, the other night we didn't have a great crowd. There. We, if we sell that place out, you might get a whistle or two more. It might be a little more of a home court advantage. Uh, you know, Thursday night after I got done watching film of VCU, I, I caught the second half of the Butler-St. Louis game. 
you know, they got 10,000 people in white shirts at St. Louis, and that's a huge home court advantage for them, and then they go beat Butler. Mm -hmm. So when you go on the road, that's what you're facing, and for a young team, it's, it's a challenge. And an even younger team now without Chris Gaston here with us. Don't miss Fordham and VCU tonight at 7 right here on WFUV, WFUVsports.org. With your one-on-one -on -one pregame underway at 6.55, he's Tom Pacora, the head coach of Fordham men's basketball, joining us as he does every week in the Fordham Focus segment of the show. Coach, thanks so much. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Always a pleasure.